Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Be You with Declan Edwards. Now, let me promise you something from the get-go today. We are going to be kicking it with something a little controversial again this week. Uh, I know if you listened to my podcast episode a couple of weeks ago, episode um, number 29, the emotional well-being industry is broken. I had so much feedback from that from people loving that what we're talking about, loving that we were stepping up and challenging some of the conventional ways that we approach emotional well-being and the way we think about emotional well-being in Australia especially. And that's something that I'm going to be doing again today for you all by looking at my problem with a lot of the approaches in the emotional well-being space in the sense that they're all talk and awareness based and obviously the episode name this week is talk is cheap so you can already guess my uh, stance on talk uh, based approaches only but what i'm going to be going through is looking at companies like are you okay day the black dog institute mental health day is a movement and looking at what they're doing really 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 well for people's emotional and mental health and well-being and what they're not doing so well and then towards the end of the episode, I'm going to have a chat about what I believe the solution is moving forward. But before we get into that, we're going to have a look at the emotional well-being space in Australia and look at some stats and what's been going on in the last five to ten years so that you can start this episode with a really clear picture on why I personally believe these approaches are not working long term. They're not making the difference that we really need to see in the mental health and emotional well-being space in Australia. So with that said, we're going to get into it. We're going to get a little bit controversial today. And I think it's almost uh, fitting that I get to start this episode with a bit of a Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. Let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's jump straight into the episode. Okay, so let's kickstart this episode by looking at some uh, sexy little statistics or maybe not so sexy statistics about mental health and emotional well-being in Australia because what becomes really apparent when you start looking into the research and the numbers and the stats around it all is it is a growing problem. So for example, one in five Australians are currently struggling with their mental health each year and up to half, so around 45% of Australians will experience some form of struggling their mental health and emotional well-being at some point in their lifetime. Despite this, 54% of people still aren't accessing uh, help or accessing tools and strategies to improve their mental and emotional well-being. So there's more than half of these people are just sort of left on their own and not really sure how to go ahead with making change their mental and emotional well-being. And that's something we'll loop back to consistently over this episode, this idea of people becoming aware of their struggles but then having no idea how to go about uh, being proactive in their approach to improving their mental and emotional health. So some other stats that come up, you know, in mental health concerns in youth, let's just look at the youth population to start with. So those under 18, mental health concerns in youth have arisen by nearly 25% between 2011 and 2016. Like, that is a huge leap in five years. Um, and I think it's there's an amazing quote by a researcher that I was looking at from Melbourne who asked the question, well, why are our approaches to mental health and emotional well-being in Australia not working? And I think it's safe to say they're not working because mental health issues are still on the rise. 
Uh, and he says in the opening paragraph of his research, which I think is brilliant, despite two decades of investment in improving mental health services, the mental health of Australians has not improved. And he goes on to suggest that it's probably because we're investing that money in the wrong places. So maybe we're improving the quantity of services in the mental health and emotional well-being space, but we're not improving the quality. He also suggests that we need to be putting more emphasis on prevention and on actionable strategies that people can follow and implement in their life to look after their mental and emotional well-being. And that's something that we're going to loop back to throughout this episode as well, because I'm a big believer that where a lot of the talk-based approaches like Are You Okay Day, Mental Health Day, Black Dog Institute, uh, where they're falling short is in not providing enough actionable, digestible, and understandable strategies for people to follow through with after they've had that conversation and they've built that awareness. But before we start looking at what they're not doing well, let's, let's deep dive into what they are doing well, because I do think they're doing incredible things for people's mental and emotional well-being. And I think they're doing a great service to the industry as a whole. And I want to highlight that first and really celebrate uh, what they're doing incredibly well and the accomplishments that they're making before we start looking at maybe some of the areas where they've got a few gaps, some areas where they're not as suited to the job or they're trying to take on, bite off more than they can chew. And some areas that have just been completely overlooked that really should be addressed. So let's jump into what these talk-based approaches to mental and emotional well-being are doing well for people. Uh, especially in Australia. So when it comes to these talk-based approaches, and I hope you will understand what I mean when I say a talk-based approach, you know, they're uh, the campaigns and the movements that are primarily focused around identification and awareness building, uh, and not so much focused on the actual treatment or action plan or how to progress from there. They're the first point of call, that first step about changing the way people think about and approach and also talk about emotional well-being and mental health in Australia. So obviously there's huge benefits to what these companies and these movements are doing. I mean, just building the awareness around mental health and emotional well-being to start with is huge. You've heard me talk a lot on this podcast, if you've been following for a while, about repression and how unfortunately mental health and emotional well-being is still an area that's quite stigmatized in Australia. And as a result, a lot of people will just repress how they're feeling rather than deal with it and rather than work through it, they'd rather distract themselves or push it aside or turn to drugs or alcohol to smother it or just mindlessly scroll Facebook or binge watch Netflix as a distraction technique. You know, whatever they're trying to do, unfortunately, there is a cultural and social reason behind that. I'm not going to say reason, I'm going to say contributor. Uh, And that contributor is really this stigma around talking openly about mental health and emotional well-being. So obviously, companies like Are You Okay Day, Mental Health Day, Black Dog Institute, they're doing incredible things at beginning to reduce that stigma and make having conversations about mental health and emotional well-being a lot more commonplace and a lot more accepted, which from the get-go is very beneficial to people. You know, there's a great saying in the industry, what we feel we can heal. And by encouraging people to speak openly about this, to chat with loved ones, to build a support network. It's giving people permission to feel these feelings and also explore them and begin going, okay, well, why might this be coming up rather than just pushing them aside or trying to bury them or distract ourselves from them or repress them. So that first step of awareness is so crucial in someone 
living a life of thriving and, and building their emotional and mental well-being. So I can't say enough great things about these companies helping build that awareness and reduce that stigma. And I'd say the, the third one, if those are the first two things they're doing really well, the third thing they're doing well is they are actually doing quite well at bringing people together to f- form support networks. And I think in uh, this age of social media, it is all too increasingly common for people, especially youth, to feel quite lonely and isolated. You know, there's such a big difference. I saw a beautiful quote the other day, ironically, on social media um, that said there's such a difference in hearing a friend laugh out loud compared to having a friend send you a message that says LOL. And I think we're starting to lose sight of the healing power and the nature and how beneficial it is to be part of a supportive tribe of people who are around you to to support you, to love you, to nurture you, but also to push you and challenge you to grow. Uh, so these companies are doing great things in encouraging loved ones, workmates, family members, friends to open up and have those deeper level conversations that go further than just, oh, how's the weather been? How's the family? What's work treating you like? You know, they're actually creating these deeper level conversations, these deeper level bonds. And I think that's doing great things in forming communities uh, and forming networks that really support each other in helping people grow their emotional and mental well-being. So if we were to highlight in my opinion, the three best things that these companies and these talk approaches are doing, they're building awareness, they're helping to reduce stigma, and they're helping bring communities and support networks together, which I think is very, very valuable. So I wanted to start by highlighting those three things before I look at some of the weaker areas and go, well, this is where these approaches are falling short and what can be done better because I, I don't want you to get the wrong idea from this podcast of going, I'm against these movements. I'm not. I think they're doing great things. Uh, in the industry at the right place, but I also believe that they can't do it on their own and that talk-based approaches inherently can't make long-term sustainable change to the state of mental health and emotional well-being in people's lives on their own. There has to be another approach that partners up with them. So let's start looking at why that might be. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for quite a while, you can probably guess some of my issues that I take with talk only and awareness only approaches like the ones we've already been discussing and looking at. You would know if you've been following this podcast for a while that I am a man of action. I believe that knowledge is not power, it is potential power, but it has to be applied through action before we get any result. And that's why I also am a big advocate for the saying talk is cheap. Talk is cheap on its own. It opens the door to making long-term sustainable change by building awareness and having those conversations. But unless it's backed with digestible, practical, actionable, proven tools and strategies, it's not going to create long-term change. And so that's my first issue with relying wholly and solely on things like Are You Okay Day, Mental Health Day, and Black Dog Institute, and those other movements and organizations in that space. As I said, I love what they're doing, but what's happening is people are starting to think or seeming to think that that's enough. And it's not. These talk-based approaches are doing so much already for people's mental and emotional health, but they can't do it all. And there's this warped perception that, well, that's enough. That will do. You know, we've got Lifeline. We've got Suicide Hotline. We've got Are You Okay Day. Those approaches are enough. They'll do. But they won't. And they can't. Inherently, they can't handle it all because they're already doing the heavy lifting on building awareness and reducing stigma, but there needs to be some form of action and follow through. 
Now, Are You Okay Day is starting to do this a little bit better. I had a look on their website before this podcast and saw that they are now sending out little action plans and um, guides and step-by-step instructions on what to do if you have that conversation with someone and they say they're not okay. It's also got some guides for like what you can do in the workplace to help with well-being and in schools. But that's one organization, guys. Like there has to be a much more cohesive and collaborative approach to developing action plans that people want to be involved with and want to do. Because at the moment, a lot of the action approaches to mental health and emotional well-being are still stuck with the stigma of being boring and being reactive and being diagnosive and prescriptive. And if you listened to that episode, I filmed uh, episode 29 on what's wrong with the emotional well-being industry in Australia, you'd know that that is my biggest problem with the industry is it is still very traditionally reactive, diagnosive and prescriptive rather than forward thinking, proactive and fun and engaging. So to start with, we need to start by bringing in more action that people can digest. The other problem that I have with these talk and awareness strategies trying to do it all themselves is that it can lead people who are natural helpers to feel over-responsible to others and burn themselves out. Now, what I mean by that, these are the people who we call them the helpers that need to be helped. You know, traditionally very, very good at helping everyone else, helping their loved ones, friends, co-workers, really stepping up and, and doing favors for everyone. They're people who struggle to say no. They say yes to everything. They tend to be very busy and time poor and stressed and overwhelmed because they've committed themselves to so much. These talk and awareness strategies, especially if we're promoting and saying, hey, go talk to all your friends and family and say, are you okay? If we're not enabling and empowering uh, the people asking that question with strategies to protect their own self-care and their own well-being and have safe boundaries for themselves, the danger is they can then take on the emotional struggles of the people around them that they're asking, are you okay to, take it on board themselves and burn themselves out. And, you know, there's so, so much research around this in compassion fatigue and um, it's very prevalent in industries like nursing and teaching where it's traditionally uh, attracting very giving people, also very uh, common in mothers as well. Um, so that's another problem I have with just doing the talk and awareness is people go, oh, awesome, I'll go out and ask my friends, are you okay? But then they don't know how to put those boundaries there to look after themselves and they end up over committing and burning themselves out um, because they're just the lowest thing on their priority list. And it you know reminds me of the classic saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. Or when you're on the plane and they say, in the case of an emergency, an oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling. Please secure yours before securing everyone else's. And what I think is accidentally happening in the industry is these talk and awareness strategies are encouraging everyone else to run around frantically trying to help everyone else with their oxygen masks and they forget to put their own on. So that's a problem in and of itself. But another thing that comes up with these talk and awareness strategies is it can also lead to dwelling. Um, you know, at our half-day masterclasses at our live events, we call every person who sees us speak live or does one of our online courses within a couple of days to see how they're going with digesting it. Because sometimes people have kept things inside, they've distracted themselves and repressed those feelings and thoughts for so long that when you open up the box with awareness, it's almost like opening Pandora's box and they don't know how to handle it. And so it actually can make it worse at times, not long-term, but it's like that quick initial oh my God, this is terrifying and overwhelming. How am I meant to handle this? And the example I give when I think about this is you know, when I was a kid and my parents asked me to clean my room, I would just shove everything in the cupboard. I'd just pile it up and my room would look clean and look nice, but behind that cupboard, the door was straining from holding all that back. And if someone was to come in and open that door, 
everything would come tumbling out onto the floor. And I'd feel really, you know, overwhelmed. I'd feel like I have to fix it all up. I'd feel, you know, very vulnerable and revealed. That's what happens with people's mental and emotional well-being. Sometimes these strategies around just talking and just doing awareness building and asking, are you okay, opens that cupboard door and everything comes flooding out and people aren't yet ready to handle it. And they're not yet equipped to work through it and deal with it either. So they end up dwelling on it. And that can actually be quite dangerous. So that, again, highlights the need for a bit of a follow-up plan and something actionable and tangible that people can sink their teeth into and practice after opening that cupboard door, after building the awareness. And the last one I want to raise on what's not working with these talk and awareness building ones, it's a little bit controversial, but I'm going to go there. It's the danger of what we're seeing at the moment, which is mental health concerns and emotional well-being concerns becoming trendy. Now, before you try and jump down the line of the podcast and, and you know get angry at me, let me explain that. When we look back through the decades, there are very clear trends of mental health diagnosis. Like in the late 80s, early 90s, it was ADHD and autism was you know, a massive, massive spike in diagnosis of ADHD and autism. What we're seeing now in the probably the last five to 10 years is a massive, massive, massive spike in depression and anxiety diagnosis and prescription. And that can come down to it being, you know, it's almost like the, the, the reverse side of the coin. On one side, it's very beneficial to lower the stigma and have people talk about it more. The downside of that is if that becomes perceived as trendy. And unfortunately, we see now, like, yes, on the positive side of the coin, vulnerability and realness and being open with people on social media is becoming more encouraged. The downside of that is people are seeing, oh, so-and-so is getting a ton of likes because they're opening up about their struggles with anxiety. Well, I guess I might also have anxiety too. And they they may not do that intentionally, but on a subconscious level, that need for external validation, the need for likes, the need for social recognition when combined with these talk and awareness strategies can lead to different emotional health concerns and mental health concerns becoming trendy and becoming popular. And so we see this false spike uh, in prescription and diagnosis. And again, go back and listen to episode 29 and you'll really hear about why that is such a huge problem because it's leading to so many people being treated unnecessarily. And there's a great saying in a in mental health and emotional well-being, that the people who need it the most are the people who don't get it. The people who do get it are normally the ones who don't need it. And I think that's only compounded by only focusing on talk and awareness strategies rather than combining them with action. So with that said, let's move on to what I believe the solution is moving forward to create a cohesive and collaborative long-term sustainable approach to helping people with their mental and emotional well-being. So what's the solution to filling and and repairing these gaps in the approach in a way that really complements the amazing work that these talk-based and awareness-based strategies and and movements are doing so well? Well, what I believe is there needs to be a three-pronged approach. We need to have a blend between prevention, primary care and response, and cultivation. So let me explain what I mean by that. So prevention is around, yes, still building your awareness campaigns, but it's also putting into place actionable, tangible strategies for people to use that prevent them from ending up at a place where they're really, really emotionally and mentally struggling. 
Then we also need the primary help. So these are things like the uh, suicide prevention line, like Lifeline. Um, they're sort of the ones where it's like, okay, this is the response that needs to be there where if people do end up in that place where they are really struggling, they are at that critical point, having a, 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 a group, that, a, a, a collaborative approach of all these different organizations there that go, okay, that's what we specialize in. That's what we do really well. And then the third prong is cultivation. Now, cultivation is bringing together professionals and companies and movements that do great things in focusing on strengths-focused, um, you know, forward-thinking, proactive approaches to well-being. So to put it in the terms that uh, Dr. Seligman from Positive Psychology uses, if the prevention is preventing people from slipping from zero to negative five, the help is the primary help is helping them go from negative five back to zero. Cultivation is about how do we help people go from zero to plus 10. It's about getting them not only healthy and happy, but thriving. Not only not struggling with depression and anxiety and these mental and emotional health concerns, but going past that and cultivating love and fulfillment and joy and happiness and gratitude, going into more that, okay, life is about more than just getting back to normal. So if we have this three-pronged approach... You know, we have prevention, stopping people from slipping below zero. We have help, helping them if they do slip below zero. And cultivation industries, helping people go from zero to plus 10. What we will start to see is awareness campaigns and talk campaigns being paired with actionable and accessible strategies that are proven, but they're also very practical. You know, they're not bogged down by being boring. They've, they've been taken from research from academia, but then put into a way and packaged in a way that people go, awesome, I can do that. And ideally, what we'll see between all three prongs, the prevention, the primary help, and the cultivation, is a strengths-focused approach. So rather than just relying on diagnosing and prescriptive approaches, focusing on something that is strengths-focused, forward-thinking, very proactive and progressive. Now, how that's going to come about, I'm not sure. You know, this is just one man's opinion on the industry and from working in the industry and helping so many people. I can start seeing where the gaps are. But in saying that, I also know where our gaps are. I don't think we have the one-size-fits-all golden approach either. I would classify what we do at BU as a cultivation approach, helping people go from zero to plus 10. Uh, We actually refer out if we think it's better that someone goes for a prevention technique or they go more towards that primary help. Um, We know what we do really well and who we do it with, and we stick to that. I think the more professionals and companies in this industry can do that, can go, right, I'm a prevention movement. I'm really good at that. That's what I'm going to focus on right, I'm a primary help professional. That's what I'm passionate about. That's what I love. That's what I do really well. That's what I'm going to do. And then we have this approach of these cultivation techniques and companies coming through as well. That's going to make such a sustainable um, approach that's really actually going to benefit A, people to start with, but B, the country as a whole, and then eventually the planet as a whole. If we take this approach I only see it playing out well. So as I said, how that works out, whether it's through government regulation, whether it's a ground movement that starts with ethically caring companies in this space, stepping up and going, well, this is where I'm going to operate and this is who I'm going to partner with. To make that difference, I'm not sure, but what I'd like to see is it happens. So with that said, let's wrap this episode up. I'm sure I've given you a lot to think about today. Um, as we do wrap up, before I actually do the final wrap up, I do want to say if you were listening to this episode and you are really struggling and you are at that point where you think I do feel like I need that primary help, please, please, please do reach out to Lifeline on 131114. 
uh, or visit the Black Dog Institute. If you don't want to talk to someone, visit the Black Dog Institute's website at blackdoginstitute.org.au. They have some amazing resources there and amazing stuff in that primary help. If you do feel you're at that point of prevention where it's okay, you know, I'm maybe a zero to a negative two and I don't want to slip any further, please do consider working working with a strengths-focused forward-thinking counselor or psychologist. And if you do feel that you're at that point where you're like, okay, I'm right in the middle, I'm at that zero and, you know, I feel like I've done my work with counseling and psychology, I'm looking for something new and something different, I want to work on that cultivation and going from zero to plus 10 and really driving confidence, purpose, fulfillment, thriving in life, please do feel free to reach out to us. Our team is always there to help. And, and give guidance and really connect with you. So you can reach us by visiting our website at bucoaching.org or you can email us at grow, G-R-O-W, at bucoaching.org. You know what? Let's finish this episode by bringing Matthew McConaughey back into the room with an all right, all right, all right. That is the end of this episode and i'm actually going to say that is the end of the bu with Declan Edwards podcast for 2018 don't worry i hope i got you there where you're like oh no he's going to end it no this podcast will be continuing in 2019 we have some amazing guest interviewees lined up some amazing content coming forward for you guys in the new year to really help you make 2019 your best year yet but i will be taking a little bit of a break over the next couple of weeks to connect with family and take some time away from the microphone and away from uh, the company and the movement over Christmas. And I encourage you guys to do the same. So from the bottom of my heart, before I send out the love to you guys, I'm going to say Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. Have a happy new year. Enjoy the next few weeks. I will be talking to you all again in the new year when we bring the podcast back for 2019 with some brand new guest interviewees and some brand new content to help you change your life. As always, if you loved this episode or if you're thinking, God, I know someone who needs to listen to this, please do help us spread this movement. We can only impact a trillion lives with your help. So help us out. You can do that in so many different ways. You can screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and upload it to your socials like your Facebook and your Instagram. Use the hashtag BU with Declan Edwards. We love interacting with you guys through that. You can reach out to us to ask questions or suggest topics either through our social media channels, BU Coaching on Instagram and on Facebook or by email, grow at bucoaching.org. And you can also just refer people straight to the podcast. Just tell your friends and family to check it out and listen to it. It is such a powerful way to make a difference. You know, I do believe that we'll change a trillion lives by spreading a ripple effect. And it's people like yourself listening to this podcast that will allow that ripple effect to happen. So from the bottom of my heart, all the way out to yours, For the last time of 2018, here we go. Bring it from the bottom. Be empowered. Be exceptional. Be you. Have an amazing Christmas and a very, very happy New Year.